Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. It is fitting for us as Americans to take a moment and to pause to recognize this freedom that we have and to honor those who have given of their lives and ultimate sacrifice, but even those who have served and have uh, given their time, uh, those who did not just stand on one side and spout an opinion, but who were willing to cross the lines, to cross borders and even oceans, that they might defend and stand for a freedom that we have and we do not take for granted. When we cease to honor is the moment we'll begin to take for granted. We ought to be people who give honor to whom honor is due, Scripture says to, but not only because it's what the Scripture says, but Scripture doesn't just give us things to do because we're supposed to. It gives us the principles by which our lives are made better. And here's why honoring makes a difference. Because when you cease to honor, you soon take for granted. And when you take for granted, you no longer value the gift that you've been given. That's why it's appropriate to honor mother, father. To honor those who we love and have in our lives. And to honor those who have given a sacrifice. So I hope this weekend that you enjoy, yeah, the extra day off, the picnic. Lord willing, beautiful weather. But more than that, may we pause and be reminded to honor those who have given this sacrifice that we might have this freedom that they fought not only for ours, but even some of them for freedoms in other countries and in other places as they served. And so we do so in remembering with with a, a time of silence, but I think it's also appropriate just to give God thanks for these men and women, those who have served before us and who have honored us. Would you just give God thanks for those individuals on this Memorial Day weekend? We give honor and thanks for their sacrifice. Yeah, the sacrifice that has been given. We give honor for those who made us stand. We say, God, thank you. And by God's grace, may we never take for granted this gift that we have. Well, you may be seated uh, this afternoon. Thanks for joining us for church. We're glad you're here. How many of you are happy you came to church today? Man, it's a great, great weekend. We're, we're glad you're here. If you're fairly new to Faith Assembly, we want to say welcome. Uh, we hope you'll take a moment to fill out a Connect card. Be our way to get to know you, get to connect with you. And uh, if you fill that out, we hope you'll take it to our Next Steps area where there's a host that would love to greet you, give you a gift, and just let you know of uh, uh, who we are and how to, how to get connected here at Faith Assembly as our desire is to reach people to reach their purpose in Jesus Christ. And so we're glad you're here. If, you're, if you've been here with us for a while, feel free to fill out the Connect card. Let us know how we can pray for you, be of any ministry. But hey, would you help us today in just welcoming those who are who are guests, or not just guests, but are new. You're uh, maybe your first time. Come on, would you welcome them today? Uh, wherever you are, we've had folks in all of our services today. Hope you feel at home. 
We are glad that you are here. In two weeks from now, we are excited to have our annual VBX Mega Sports Camp that is taking place. So in two weeks, we'll have hundreds of elementary age students flooding this campus who will be in different categories and, and uh, activities. And so we're excited for that. We want to remind you that it is not too late to be a part of that team. We're looking for coaches. You can sign up online or the YouVersion Bible app. You can be one of our coaches. You say, I don't know the sport. That's okay. We've already got the experts, all right? We've already got those who are coaching. They are coaches. They know how to do that. We're looking for those who will come alongside and just love on some students, serve some snacks, share some smiles, speak prophecy and life over young people, and just believing God for great things in their lives. You can sign up to be a coach, be a part of the VBX Mega Sports Camp, or starting tomorrow, sign up your children as that is going to be coming in just a couple weeks because it is time for summer vacation. What a joy and uh, an excitement. Uh, today we have uh, just some guests with us, and uh, it's our honors. They're going to be coming in just a moment. But here at Faith Assembly, we practice generosity, and generosity is giving above the tithe to honor God. Obedience is giving God what belongs to him. But thank you for your, your obedience and your generosity in giving. And uh, you can give online. You can give through the envelope that's in front of you and drop it off in the offering stands. But every week here at Faith Assembly, when you give, we send out a tithe. You, we give as individuals to the church, but then as a church body, we send out to different organizations and we send out to support uh, almost 100 missionaries around the world, local. One of those that we get to support is the Philadelphia Dream Center. And when you give today, we are going to be giving a tithe of everything that is given to the Philadelphia Dream Center. We want to bless them and be a blessing to them, this work that God is doing. So your giving is impacting not only here, but going across the seas and even specifically this week to the other side of the state, the city of Philadelphia, brotherly love. It was about four years ago, I had a chance to meet David and Cherie Dominguez. We were on a tour together. Uh, I was touring uh, with them. We were together. I was sharing the vision that God had given us for a home in Bel Vernon. We had been given property. God had put on our heart to start a home for, for uh, those that are going through uh, recovery, a discipleship home. They were joining the tour because they were casting vision for a Philadelphia Dream Center that they were putting together. God was leading them to open, and we shared this vision together, what God was doing here in Western PA in a small town called Belvernon. At that time, we had been given property, and they said, pray that God would give us property. Can I tell you, God not only gave them property, gave them about a block with four different, four different apartments or four different buildings on it and resources that God has given, because how many know he's a faithful God? and knows how to provide every need that we have. You would look today, we've got four buildings on our property, but those four buildings look a little different in Bel Vernon than they look in Philadelphia. The places might, deep, might be different. The city might be much bigger than Bel Vernon in Fayette County, but God has called us together to cast hope and to cast a net to see lost people come to know Jesus Christ. They planted this dream center that is in a place of brokenness to see lives turned around. They're here today to share this message with us. Would you please welcome David Dominguez as he comes to share the word with us today, the message that God has given. We love you, brother. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Pastor Jason. Hey, I just want to say you guys have one of the best pastors here. Come on, give it up for them. Amazing, amazing people. Thank you so much. It's a great honor to be here with you guys. And listen, if you served in the military, thank you so much 
for serving. I want to introduce real quick my beautiful wife, and uh, this is my wife, and I think I heard somebody say, man, you married way up. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so this is my wife. I know when you look at her, you look at me, you're probably thinking, how did that guy get that? <laughs> she is so fun. And then we have, um, we have two daughters in the faith right here. This is Sophia, and this is Kiana, so... Sophia serves, uh, she's a caseworker out in Kensington. I don't know if you've heard of Kensington. Kensington's an area that we reach. It's an open-air drug market. It's worse in the nation, probably one of the worst in the world, and it's just really bad. You see a lot of people using and abusing drugs out in the open, heartbreaking. She also serves as sort of our social worker in a way. She's helping us set up some programs, and Kiana just came on board as our hospitality director, so she's going to be serving there and helping us connect with people in a greater way. But so excited to be here. Thank you again for your hospitality. Let me tell you something. You guys pray for your pastor because three services back to back is not easy. I, I leaned over to my wife. I said, babe, I'm sleepy. I'm tired. I was like, man, this is intense. I don't know, man. You guys pray for a bigger bill. I don't know what you need, but pray for your pastor. He needs a lot of energy. Super excited to be here once again. But uh, hey, so I just want to share just a little bit. So we've been in the city of Philadelphia for going on six years. July uh, 5th is going to be our six-year mark. We moved from Ormond Beach, Florida. I don't know if you know where Ormond Beach, Florida is. If you've been there, it is a beautiful oasis of a beach. We live five minutes from, our, uh, from the beach and five minutes from our home church, which uh, our home church, we, we were so connected there. We, uh, I remember back in, I don't know, it was few years back, almost 18 years ago, we gave our life to Christ. First church we ever got connected to. We saw this church grow from like maybe 12, 1,300 members to about 4,000 members. And God definitely, um, you know, it was a great location. There was a lot, heavy population there. But God was moving there. And God moved us uh, back in 2016 to Philadelphia, inner city of Philadelphia. And I don't know if you know this, of course you do know it is the birthplace of America, but as the birthplace of America, it has a lot of challenges. It's number one in deep poverty among big cities. Also about a hundred deaths occur because of overdoses alone in the city of Philadelphia, mainly in that Kensington area. Uh, also back last year, I believe there were what, nearly 600 murders just in the city there. Uh, about a hundred and something teenagers were shot there in the city. I mean, I can't imagine being a teenager teenager thinking, you know, walking to school and thinking, could I get shot today? Or walking to the park and thinking, could I get shot? It's a very intense environment there. It's also number one in deep poverty among big cities, meaning it's half of the poverty line. There's families there surviving on $7,000 a year every single year. It's just really tough. The poverty there, it's literally like third world conditions, the stuff you see out there. And it's really heartbreaking. But listen, I believe this, that it's God's job to give, and it's our job just to be faithful. That when God gives us something, that we need to be faithful. And back in 2020, I don't know if you know uh, what happened back in 2020 around March. Uh, something, many people haven't heard of this, COVID-19. Have you heard of COVID-19? Man, when COVID-19 hit, it was just really, uh, just really an intense place. Already in a city with so much brokenness, you could imagine the desperation there. So during those two years, during COVID-19, 2020, 2021, by God's grace, we gave away about 7,000, 700,000 pounds of food in those two years. In addition to that... 
Praise God. It's through the partnership of individuals and churches that helped us get to that. In addition to that, we gave away 100,000 individual meals for children. And during that time, 5,500 toys in those two years of Christmas. Uh, it was just amazing what God did. And listen, once again, I believe that it's God's job to give. And it's our job to simply just be faithful. And I believe this, that God is generous in such a way that I call it killer generosity. Listen, this generosity that God has, it's so amazing. I want you to think about the generosity that he has, that he saw our mess. He saw our brokenness. He saw our shame. He saw our sin. And he said, I'll trade you for Jesus. I mean, think about that. Like he saw where we were. And even if you were raised in church, could I tell you something? You got a testimony. You went from death to life at one point or another. And man, it's by God's grace, his generous love for us that that's the reason why we're here not only that he didn't stop there he gave us the local church are you guys thankful for an amazing church faith assembly great pastors that, that he said I'm not going to leave you there alone I'm going to build a community around you where you could come and be a part of a great local church man amazing but I believe this listen God doesn't only want us to embrace his generosity he wants us to embody it and what's the difference Man, I'll tell you the difference is, are you two married? There was a day you looked at her and you said, man, that woman is so fine. I'm going to make her mine, right? <laughs> right? And, and you, 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 you embraced the idea of being with her. And you embraced the idea of being with him. But when you two got married, you actually embodied each other. The, body said, the, the, the Bible says that when two get married, they become one flesh. Come on, and it's a great mystery, it says. And, and it's beautiful to see. Man, you guys are goals right there. I want to... See us in that position. Come on, that's beautiful. I love it. But I believe this, that God doesn't only want us to embrace his generosity, but to embody it, to live it, to breathe it, that everyone we encounter, everyone we see, they see something different in us. They see, man, that guy has the love of God in him. So listen, today I just want to go through this parable in Matthew 25 with you. And in Matthew 25, it's a series of parables. But I'm going to start in Matthew 25, 14. And it starts off the same way that all the other uh, parables start off. It starts off like this. For the kingdom of heaven is like, like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. And let me tell you, this is a great reminder that all we have and all we are, we are for what purpose? For the glory of God. That everything that we have, everything that God's given us, everything that we do, it's for the purpose to glorify God. And then in verse 16, it says this, he who had received five talents went at once and traded them and made five more. Also, he who had two talents made two more. And I love what it says that he, that at once he went and traded. Why? Because many times, man, as the church, we hear a word from God. Maybe we read the Bible that says, go out into all the world and preach the gospel, but we look for another sign. And we're waiting for the heavens to open and the audible voice of God. Let me tell you, his word is enough that we don't have to wait for anything else. When we read something in his word, it's enough. And I believe, man, just like these servants that I said at once, listen, once we receive, we should be ready to go out. We shouldn't wait. We should be ready to go out. And I believe this with all my heart. Listen, with revelation, there's responsibility. So when you come here each and every week, when you're hearing Pastor Jason preach, man, I believe whenever you receive revelation, you have responsibility. You have something that you have to do with that, with that revelation. 
And every single day, listen, we have an opportunity. Every day we have an opportunity to be the light of the world. Every day we have an opportunity to choose life or death. Deuteronomy 30 says this, that I set before you life and what? And death, blessings and curses. And for those of you that are bad with multiple choice questions, he gives us the answer. He says to choose life. Something we get to do, man. And it says this in verse 19. Now after a long time, his master of, I'm sorry, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. And I just want to remind you, there is going to be a day where those accounts get settled. There's going to be a day that we cross over, man. It says, and he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, master, you delivered me five talents. Here, I've made you five more. This is the response of the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over the little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of my master. And he who had received two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I have made you two more. And then he says once again, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over the little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of my master. And can I tell you, this is a reminder that our success, everything that we've done, shouldn't go to our head, it should go to our heart. Appreciation, to give God glory, to give him praise, to show people, listen, this was God that brought me here. This is God that that gave me what he gave me so that I could multiply it for the kingdom of God. And it trips me out on verse 24. The, the one with the one talent comes forward and says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what's yours. Now, two things that stand out to me here. He gave it back to God, almost to the master, almost like saying, here, have what's yours. And let me tell you, an offering is not an offering without sacrifice. Like if we're going to give God something, there has to be a sense of sacrifice there. The Bible says to, 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 to live your life as a living sacrifice, right? Holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. What does that mean? Listen, a sacrifice isn't coming to church and vacuuming. And, and yeah, I mean, that's a sense of a sacrifice. It's not giving a little bit more to your tithe or more to missions. That's a sense of a sacrifice it is. But when the Bible talks about sacrifice, it's speaking about death. It's talking about putting your life to death, that my opinions, my desires, my thoughts, my, my, my ambitions don't count anymore. Like, it's all about God. So we should give our life as a living sacrifice. And the second thing is this. Listen, he said that he was fearful. So he hid the talent. Can I tell you this? That fear is not a reason not to do what God called you to do. That if God called you to do something, if God has called you and gave you a call and told you, hey, I want you to do this, it, it, fear is not a reason not to. Let me tell you, we've experienced much fear in Philadelphia, man. We've seen moving from Ormond Beach, Florida to Philadelphia, inner city, we've seen some intense stuff. We hear gunshots at night. We, we see people shoot heroin in front of us. We see the overdoses. We see the brokenness within that first year of us being there. My father-in-law, who was like a father to me, that, that he passed away right in front of us, right in hospice. We saw his, just his life being sucked away. And it was a hurtful thing to see. And then within that first year, our son got stuck up at gunpoint. He was working at his first job at Subway. And he got stuck up at gunpoint. And then our other son got jumped various times. Then our daughter, they have this thing. It's a protocol for the first responders. It's, it's called scoop and go. 
where the first responders at a scene of a, either shooting or, or stabbing, they pick the body up, put him in the police car, take him straight to the hospital. They don't wait for EMT. And, and this guy got shot. My daughter was walking by and, and helped the police officer put this individual in the vehicle. And that evening, I mean, that, yeah, that same evening, he was declared dead in the hospital. And she had to spend all evening in the homicide department. It was just insane. And our houses broken into and our cars broken into. And one thing that really the pressure that we felt of the same people that we're trying to reach, the same people that we're trying to love on are breaking into our house. You know, God gave us a revelation that if we're going to be a bridge to Jesus, bridges get stepped on. Man, bridges get ran over. Bridges get spit on at times. If we're going to be a bridge to Jesus, we got to get ready. If we're going to be a bridge to Jesus, man, we got to endure certain things. And we've been fearful. Man, during that fear, God has taught us two things, that there is a difference between passion and call. There's a difference between passion and call that this generation tells you, man, follow your passions, just pursue your passions. But let me tell you what Benjamin Franklin said. He said, if passion drives you, let reason be the rain. The Bible says that those that belong to Christ, they've crucified their flesh and their passions, meaning our passions should become his passions. Our heart for people should become his heart for, or for people that whatever God's heartbeat is, man, it should be our heartbeat. And that scripture that says to make your call and election sure for if you practice these things, you'll never stumble. Second Peter 1.10. Let me tell you that if we make our call and election sure, and if we know that our passion and our call is separate, we're not going to struggle with going to church when we don't want to. Because do not forsake the assembly of the brother. We're not going to struggle with tithing because it's something that God called us to do. We're not going to struggle with giving to missions or inviting people to church or evangelizing or sowing seed into people's lives. Why? Because that's our call. We're not going to struggle with being a husband or a wife or a daughter or a son because as Christians, man, we have to live that life with a pure heart. And I know at times it's hard to sense a call from God and know that we have a certain responsibility but not do it because we feel like we might not do it perfect. I'm tell you, God's not seeking for perfection. He's seeking for faithfulness. God cares more about your faithfulness versus how you do it and how you perform. He just wants you to be faithful. And the truth is, man, many times we hold back and we forget the people that God called. We forget that God called people like Moses. Let me tell you, the Bible says that he was slow to speech. Many theologians, they believe this, that he was a stutterer because of that scripture. And even when God approached him, he objected. He said, they won't listen to me. They won't listen to a word I say. They're going to say, God appeared to him hardly. This is what God said. He said, he said, what's in your hand, Moses? What do you have that you could offer? What do you have that you could give? Maybe you're slow to speech, but what do you have that you could offer? What do you have that you could give to me? You know, I remember hearing this preacher, famous preacher, man. He said, he said that Paul was a preacher of preachers. He said, that man was a preacher of preachers. Let me tell you, the Bible doesn't say that. He was actually wrong saying that. Famous pastor, by the way. When you read the scripture in 2 Corinthians eleven six, he wrote this, that I may be an unskilled speaker. 1 Corinthians 1.17, he said that Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach not with eloquent words. Do you know what people were saying about Paul? 
It's recorded in 2 Corinthians 10.10. For some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person, he's unimpressive and his words amount to nothing. This is the Apostle Paul, guys. This is one of my heroes. Like to think, and you think about David Wilkerson, a man that never touched drugs or alcohol, never experienced any kind of, of life beyond the church, grew up in church, pastored a church in the hills of, of, of Pennsylvania, went to New York City and started one of the greatest drug rehabilitation centers in the world, Teen Challenge, with the highest success rate for those that finish. Literally in the world, Global Teen Challenge, they're around the world. Insane to think that a man that never touched drugs or alcohol disconnected from a culture, and God used him. And many times we think, gosh, I can't reach these people. I can't go to Philadelphia Dream Center because I don't have anything to offer. Let me tell you, what is in your hand? What do you have to offer? Everyone has something to offer, especially if you got the gospel. Man, if you got the, the, the word of God is universal. So tonight, this morning I want to share with you just three things that I know God has given each and every one of you guys. And the first thing is this, it's, I know every single one, every single person in here has a talent. Let me tell you, everyone in here has some kind of talent to offer the kingdom of God. To go through the next steps, to, to say, hey, how could I be, be more, more active in my church? How could I serve more? What could I do to expand the kingdom of God in my local church where God planted me? You know what the Bible says in 1 Peter 4.10? As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. Let me ask you, do you have God's grace? I think we all do. So are you being a good steward of that? Are you stirring his, God, his, his grace in a responsible way? It says to serve one another. And the second thing is this, is treasure. Listen, I know everyone's treasure looks different. I know that everyone makes different amount of money. I know at times, you know, man, financial situations could be hard, but we all have treasure. We all have something to give. And I know money could be a touchy subject, but I'll tell you, this right here is a $20 bill. And I have ADHD. I'm trying to read what somebody wrote in a blue pen here, but <laughs> I'm sorry, squirrel. Hey, the truth is, this $20, man, I, <laughs> I'm tired, y'all. <laughs> we didn't sleep too much last night. Whatever comes out of my mouth, it's either exhaustion or the anointing. Just get ready. <laughs> hey, the truth is, this $20 bill could have been used in a drug deal. More than likely, it probably was. Or it could have been used to give to a building program. This $20 bill could have been used to purchase a woman that's, a lady that's trapped in human trafficking or could have been used to bless a single mom. Let me tell you, this $20 bill could be used to bless or to curse, right? This 20 bucks right here, you could use it for good or for bad. You could give it to a kid and say, I want to bless you with that. Split it with your, with your sibling here. Come on. You're welcome. <laughs> it's not about the money. It's Whose hand is the money in? And God isn't concerned if you have some money. He's concerned if the money has you. Is it part of your identity? Do you, do, do you, do you, you know, worry about needing stuff and wanting stuff and, and really living and catching, you know, keeping up with the Joneses? Like, are we truly being responsible with what God gave us? 
The third thing that I know God's given us is this, it's time. Let me tell you, we all have a different measure of time. And I just turned 41 years old. What do you guys feel about that? Huh? Married longer than that. That's awesome. 41. To you guys, I'm probably super young. Right? To some of these kids over here, you think I'm old, don't you? 41 years old, be honest. I'm not going to take the money away. 41 years old. But here's the truth. Even at 41, if you think I'm old or young, you may outlive me. That's just the truth. Like, we're, we're limited with our time, and many times I wake up and I think, gosh, I'm one day closer to death. And the Bible says this in Psalms 90, 12. I know it's a crazy thought, but it's biblical to teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That if we understand that God's giving us a certain measure of time, a certain measure of treasure, a certain measure of talent, that we should use it to expand the kingdom of God. Because there's going to be a day we all cross over. There's nothing we could take with us. It's God's job to give. It's our job to be faithful. I'll tell you, I heard this story some time ago. And it's actually in a book. You could find the book, Acres of Diamonds. I wanted to write a book on Acres of Diamonds, but Jetson Franklin beat me to it, if you know him. (laughs) He's a pastor over in Georgia. But Russell H. Conwell, he was an educator. He was also a minister back in the 1800s, and he was traveling and touring the Holy Land. He heard this story. He put it in a book and printed about 7 million copies, took this book and sold it around the U.S., I believe even around the world, and he preached it in various places and churches and things like that. And out of the proceeds, he started Temple University there in the birthplace of America in Philadelphia. Pretty amazing. And the story goes like this, that there was a poor farmer that owned this farm, a small cabin, had a small family. And every single day he would do the same thing. He would go out and plow these fields. Every day he would go out, man, he uh, created these calluses in his hands and he had dirt in his nails. But he was a content man. He was happy. He was content with his house. He was content with his family and his little farm. And one day, a man, a traveler came by, and this is a true story, guys, you can look this up. A traveler came by, and he said, why are you working so hard? He said, man, you could be a very wealthy man. Do you not know that in India, there's diamonds the size of your head, and there's people becoming extremely wealthy there? And he said, you could go to India and just have whatever you want and whatever you need for your family. So he decided to sell his small little farm and he put his family in a temporary place and he said, I'm coming back. We're going to be a very wealthy family when I get back. And he said, the story goes like this where he went to India and he's searching for these diamonds and he wrote a letter to his family after some time and said, listen, I'm a failure. I'm sorry, but the money is depleted. I didn't find any diamonds and it was actually a suicide note. This is a true story. He jumped off a cliff into a raging river. And what's crazy is the same guy that bought this same farm, in the same way he started plowing the fields and he started just plowing these fields, man, he gained calluses in his hands and got dirt in his nails and he he lived in this house, he was very content, but every few steps that he would push these plows, he would run into these rocks. 
And one day, he found a rock that had a crack in it. This is a true story, guys. Found this rock. And the sun hit it in the right way. And he said, man, this is so nice and so pretty. I'm going to put this in my house. I don't have anything this nice. So he put it up on his mantle. And one day, the local priest came by. And he saw this rock. And he said, where did you get that stone? He said, where'd you get that rock? And he said, man, they're all over this field. I can't run my plow without running into them. He said, you don't understand. You got to get that appraised. That's a diamond in the rough. True story. And they appraised that diamond in the 1800s. It was worth millions today. It was like 25,000 back then, millions today. It was one of the greatest diamond mines that they found in all history where even the Queen of England used to purchase her diamonds in this place. I'm going to tell you, maybe you might feel in a place where you feel discontent. Maybe you feel like, man, if I had a better job or a better church, in Jesus' name, don't leave this church because you have a great church here. Or maybe I had a better spouse, don't leave that spouse, man. Or maybe if I had a better career or, or more money or a nicer house, I would be way better. But can I tell you, start plowing the fields where you are. Start sowing into where you are, and I guarantee you this, that there are acres of diamonds in the place where you're standing. And I believe this, that in the birthplace of America, although it's a broken place, although it's a place where, where there's devastation everywhere, if you drive through there, literally it's like a third world country. But it's still the birthplace of America. And I believe that there's acres of diamonds there. I believe that there's people there with so much precious, you know, potential. Just a little bit of Jesus could change them. I'm going to share a story about a guy by the name of Antoine. Antoine was a guy that I met out there one day. We were doing a kid's outreach. I'm cleaning up needles and um, picking up needles. Just, you know, it's, in a, it's a park called Needle Park. They call it Needle Park, McPherson Park. And I'm cleaning up needles, and I saw this guy. He was about to shoot up. And I asked him, I said, um, hey, what's your name? And he got super belligerent, started cursing me out, yelling at me. And inside of me, I felt the Holy Spirit just say, you know, just stay calm and wait. My flesh wanted to turn on some rap music and just take care of business, you know. <laughs> but I waited till he calmed down. And I said, man, what's your name? He told me Antoine. And I said, hey, is there anything I could do for you? And, I, and I, I kid you not, he yelled this at me. He was still angry. He said, yeah. He said, get me some ice cream. I said, okay. I said, all right, Antoine, let's go get some ice cream. So we cross the street. We get some ice cream. He's standing there with his mint chocolate chip. You know, mint chocolate chip will calm you down a little bit, right? And I asked him, I said, hey, man, is there anything else I could do for you? And he said, yeah, um, I need some clothes. So, and just to be honest, man, I was tired. We worked in the office all day. We had like a two, three-hour outreach. We're, we're, we're exhausted. I wanted to go home. And our center at the time was maybe 20 minutes away. Now the center that we're in, it's less than a mile away. So I told him, hey, man, we're, we're, we're going to drive to the center. I'll be back in about 45 minutes. You know, I'll, I'll be right back. I asked him where, he, where he'll be. He said, I'll be on that blanket, just sitting on that blanket. So I came back, and I sat next to him. And I asked him, hey, man, what, what's your story, Antoine? Gave him his clothes. And I sat next to him, and with tears in his eyes, he's sharing. And he said, my mother was a heroin addict as far as I could remember. 
And she used to shoot heroin in front of me when I was a little kid. He said, my father, between age eight years old to 13, sexually abused me. He said, it messed me up the way I view men, women, the, view I, the, the way I view life in general. He said, at 13 years old, I got so sick and tired of it that I shot up for the first time. He said, I've been addicted ever since. Let me tell you, anytime we see somebody that's broken or addicted or homeless, I promise you this, if I wore the same shoes that he wore and I went down the same journey he went through, I'd probably be in the same place as him. So before we start thinking about the position where someone is in, man, start thinking where did they come from, what journey did they walk? And I remember Antoine, we connected well, and I brought him back to the center one day, and he was there hanging out with us, and he asked me this. He said, if I get clean, could I work with you guys? Okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Antoine knows the word of God. If we brought him up here and gave him the mic, he would preach a sermon and a half. He'll sound like this man, like he knows the word, retains information like, like no one I've ever met. And he knows the word. Prophesied over a pastor, and everything came true within two weeks. I'm just letting you know, that'll mess up your theology. But it's a true story. That happened. I believe in Antoine, there's acres of diamonds. There's something that God placed in him. That if he gets connected to Christ, if he surrenders to Jesus, I believe his God-given dream is going to be awakened. I believe a God-given dream is anything that expands the kingdom of God. And let me tell you, everyone in here has a God-given dream. We may not be active in it. Maybe we're not walking in it. Maybe we're not doing, you know, because of your busy life. But I promise you this, if you go to the leadership here, they'll help you find your God-given dream. They'll help you and direct you in that place. There's another story I want to share about a girl by the name of Sam. Sam is like a daughter to us. We actually just did a send-off for her prom, and she spent, I want to say, almost two years uh, with us almost in our house almost every day. Now she's got like two jobs and she's grown up and, you know, but she still calls us and hangs out with us. But Sam is in foster care and kinship care with her grandmother. Her, her mother is a heroin addict. Her grandmother said that there's times that her mom would see her kids at the park and she wouldn't even recognize the kids. Is that bad? Her father's in prison for horrific crime. I think he's getting out in like 10 years. Just terrible situation. And we brought Sam in, and I remember the first time we met her, I knew she was going to be like a daughter to us because she walked by and she said, that beard looks uncomfortable. I can't even see your neck and walked off. And right away I said, that's my long-lost daughter right there. <laughs> Sam is an amazing girl, man. We love her. And she, she's actually going to aviation mechanic school, right? Crazy. I mean, amazing, but I remember there was this one time that uh, she was with us and we're hosting these mission teams and back-to-back, uh, -back, and then we had this team and we were doing worship before going out on, the, uh, you know, on, the, on this outreach, and, and she's in the back and she has her hoodie up and arms crossed, and she's just there, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, please penetrate her heart. God, please touch her. I just saw her there just looking really hard, but that same day when, when we went out to the park, she lives across the street from the park, she ran home, and then her grandmother came out and she shared this she said man Sam came home super excited and she said grandma grandma I'm learning all this about outreach I'm learning all this about missions I wonder if I'm gonna end up becoming a missionary and could I be honest we felt like quitting so many times we felt like leaving the city of Philadelphia we felt like fleeing and just going somewhere else that was easier 
but we stayed. Why? Because God spoke two words to us, that we have to show love and consistency. And I believe this with all my heart, that love is a powerful thing, but consistent love is life-changing. Man, and when we, once we start showing consistent love, and I believe that lives could be changed there. And we, since we moved there, we've had a God-given dream. A God-given dream to have a facility where we could house people like Antoine, like Sam, people that are overcoming drug addiction, people that are overcoming, you know, life struggles and, and, and pregnant moms and things like that that we've been talking about. And God gave us this God-given dream. Can I tell you, this dream is unfolding right now. It's just insane just thinking about where God brought us from, that we started in our living room. That now we walked into this building where it's insane. Man, Pastor Jason, you don't even know how many. I know five pastors right now searching for buildings. One that just lost his building and has to go into a school model, mobile model. It's just, it's almost impossible to find buildings for churches or ministries in the city of Philadelphia. Like, it, it's crazy. Inflation has gone up. It's, it's just insane. Real estate's crazy up there. It's turning into a New York City. And by God's grace, he's released this building to us. And you're going to hear it on the video. But when we met the priest that's overseeing five parishes, he said this, that I feel, this is a Catholic priest, guys. I feel like the Holy Spirit's trying to do something here. God is moving. So I want to ask you, can you pray for us? Commit to pray for us. And we do have a booth back there. We have, I know it's kind of cheesy to some of you guys. But we have these keys with a little tag with our website. And it says this, thank you for being a key part of what God is doing in Philadelphia. So if you want to grab a key, we want to gift it to you. And God bless you guys. Thank you again. Thank you, Pastor. My wife and I, we moved here with our family back in 2016, really with the call to see the birthplace of America changed and restored. It's a city that really instilled so much greatness into this whole nation, but it's also a city with so much brokenness. The most violent year in our lifetime. Last year, there were about 2,200 shootings and about 499 murders. I believe this year, we're already past 500 murders. It's just heartbreaking to what's happening here in the city. If a person walks down Kensington, you are gonna see third world conditions. You're gonna see needles all over the floor. You see people in very desperate, hopeless situations. God really called us to the city to bring change and to revive what we believe is God-given dreams. And we believe that God-given dreams are awakened when we connect people to Jesus. By connecting them to Jesus, man, a God-given dream is anything that expands the kingdom of God. Seeing the brokenness throughout the city, right out of our home, we said, hey, we got to do something. We uh, set up a partnership with the Dream Center in Los Angeles, and, and right away we said, hey, let, let's bring a Dream Center right here to the city. We saw a city that was a very unorthodox city, and the city needed a very unorthodox church. After about a year of serving out of our home, God moved us to about a 2,500-square-foot facility, and we were there for about 15 months. And then God moved us to about a 4,500-square-foot facility. And today we're sitting in about a 50,000-square-foot facility that we believe it's going to be a beacon of hope and a place where God-given dreams are awakened right here in the birthplace of America. 
We connected with the priest that's overseeing five parishes in the area. Something that he said was that I believe the Holy Spirit's trying to do something here. So we've been working with the Archdiocese now. It looks like we might be closing very soon on this building. And the next steps are to start renovating and start uh, really building the rooms and the spaces that we need to start bringing hope to the lives here in the city of Philadelphia. This building, it's on a property with four buildings. It has a parking lot. It has a rectory where the priests used to live. It has a convent where the nuns used to live. It has a school and it has a church. And we're so excited to occupy this place to be able to give men and women a place to live. And not only that, but also a school where we could start uh, after school programs and get kids off of the streets and, and just teach them a new way of life. You know, three things we tell people that could really go a long way. It's, it's pray, serve, or give. You know, this is a massive uh, undertaking, and I know that we're going to need a lot of partnership in finances as well, and we need the one-time gifts. We need specialty trades where people could come out and serve and help us build out some of the building, and your partnership will go a long way. You know, all the giveaways are awesome. The toys we give away are fantastic. And the food that we're able to give people um, is amazing. But the greatest gift that people need, it's really Jesus. And this city, it's broken, not because of the lack of fathers, not because of the presence of drugs, but because of the lack of God. And we believe that this city could be changed just by bringing God back into the city. And that's what we want to do. That's what we want to do through the buildings, through uh, the outreaches, through the ministry we have. We want to present the gospel to every person that we come in contact with. Would you stand with me all across this room today? How many know the gospel makes all the difference? The gospel is what changes lives. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. This building isn't going to take effect because of your brilliance and your ability to make requests, but your faithfulness and obedience. You know that. Um... Because when we, when we look at what we have to produce, then we find the need that we've got to go find the money. How many know we don't have to find the money? He told Peter, go fishing. When you catch a fish, open its mouth, there's a coin on the inside. I don't know the last time any of you fishermen found a coin in the... If so, take me to your fishing hole. I like to fish. It's not because of your brilliance. It's because of your obedience. And you don't have anything to prove. Don't ever carry a, a, a call that God put on your heart as if you have to prove it. Because the moment you have to prove it, you have to sustain it. You have to uphold it. You have to carry it. You have to fulfill it. You have nothing but obedience to walk unto God. He'll take care of all the rest. The pressure's off. So I just want to say, you know this, but the pressure's off. You know, the pressure's off. And the moment the pressure comes on, that's man. Man puts pressure on us. Man puts pressure. Man comes along and says, wait a minute. Do you really, here, here's man putting pressure. Saul, who is the king, who couldn't figure out what to do with Goliath, says to David, here, put on my armor. How many know that armor had a lot of weight? Man puts pressure on you. Because man will eye you up and say, well, it's not looking right. You're not doing it right. You don't have what it takes. Listen, man will put pressure on you. 
But David knew how to take the pressure off. He went to the stream and he sat down the stream, by the stream, the place that represents the presence of God. And in the presence of God, the pressure came off. He went out with a slingshot. Because the presence of God will make all the difference. I don't know today, I, I hope that we would embrace, and I love what David said, that, that we would not just embrace, but that we would embody the work of God. And oftentimes we embrace it. You can embrace things. And embracing things really just line up with your approval. But how many know God doesn't need my approval? He just needs my obedience. And I'm going to embody. And I hope we do that. If you just embrace the work of God, how many know you can easily let go of that? When difficult times come, you'll drop it. You'll walk away from it because you embrace it. But when you embody, how many know you can't get away from it? You know what you can't get away is this, that Jesus said the same power that raised him from the dead lives on the inside of us. How many know I can't get away from his presence? I can't get away from his calling. I can't get away from his power. I can't get away from his spirit. His spirit dwells on the inside of me. And therefore, there are going to be moments it's difficult. There are moments this doesn't make sense. There are even moments I don't feel like doing it anymore. But the spirit of God, the call of God, you can't just let go of that. It's got a hold of you. And you can't help but serve and run after what God has. We've got two talents here in Fayette County. We have the Belvernon Valley Life Home. We've got the Converge Center that we just opened this weekend. We'll be sharing more about that. It's going to be a tutoring center there in Point Marion. These are small communities compared to what is in Philadelphia, but that's because God gave us two talents. He gave them five. And how many know we're not sitting here saying, well, we only have two? No, we're sitting here saying, God, you put us in Fayette County to make an impact, so let us be found faithful till Jesus comes to reach people in every place that everywhere along the Monongahela River, dead things will come to life in Jesus name. Here's the word God told us. God said that we're supposed to go to the Monongahela, the, 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 the region of, of the Mon River, and we're supposed to pull out Moses's. Moses was put in a slave, but he came out a prince. That there are young men and women that are lost along these river communities but God's called us to go there with hope and the message of the gospel to take those who are enslaved to addiction, enslaved to circumstances and situations, and to draw them out to let them know the princes and the princesses that they are to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is what God's called us to do. And by God's grace, we're going to do it. God has called them in, in the city of Philadelphia. And you know what? God hasn't given us five talents, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to come alongside and we're going to give our little into those that five-talent place. And God's going to do something significant in this two-talent, and he's going to do something significant in the five-talent so that when Jesus comes back, we're going to stand before God and say, here we are. You gave us two, we're giving you back more. You gave us five, we're going to give it back more. We want to be found faithful in the place that God has called us. How many say, I want to be found faithful? in the place that God has called us. So today, I hope that we would not just embrace, but that we would embody. Would you just hold your hands out like this before the Lord? Father, each of us come from places that have a story. God, and that story is not for us to compare with another story. It's for us to embrace and embody what it is that you're doing in our lives in this season. So God, I pray for Fayette County that Lord... The city of Philadelphia is the highest per capita in poverty. And Lord, 
the county of Fayette is one of the highest poverty per county. Lord, according to job opportunity and resources. But Lord, we rebuke right now the stigma of poverty. And we declare, oh God, that we are wealthy in Christ. And Lord, I pray that God, we would know that we have more than enough, that we would embody the power of God to go into places, to see dead things come to life, to see dark places made made bright, that we would be empowered by your spirit. So Lord, here we are, use us. We pray. Father, make us effective along the Mon Valley. The Lord, even we heard this past winter when the chief of police said, what are we doing to get ready for more deaths than ever? Lord, you already stirred our hearts and you said, go into those communities that dead things will come to life everywhere the water flows. So God, I declare living water across the Mon that God, dead things will come to life in, in Brownsville and Bel Vernon and in Point Marion and here in Uniontown that Fayette County would see the glory of our God. And Father, we thank you that in the birthplace of America that you're raising up an army. We pray God resources and favor and divine appointment that God, I thank you, the pressure's off. We don't have to find it. We don't have to do it. We don't have to create it. We just walk in your provision. And we thank you that you make every path straight in Jesus' name. So God, let us be found faithful. Lord, we can't walk away from it. We can't just get over it because God, we, it embodies us. We are, we are one with you. So God, do your work in and through us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Come on, if that's your desire today, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Would you show your appreciation to David and Sheree? And thank you guys for being here today.